excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Say me. Me too. Hey, I'm excited. Before we get started, I want to look right into the camera and welcome all of you joining us on the other sides of computers and tablets and phones all over the place. Literally every week, people join us online and watch it back on demand. And so we know we recognize that some of you are out of state and you're joining us. We're so glad that you're part of our family, as well as those that are in the middle of traveling and can't quite be here. We recognize that you are uh, want to be in this house. We want you here in this house. We say this, if you can be here, we want you to be here because there's nothing nothing like being in the house with the family of God. Five stones, will you put your hands together and welcome your church family this morning? So glad that you're here. Hey, we're continuing on in this series that we're calling What's Next? Talking about the spiritual decisions that God wants us to make in this new year so they can, he can guide and lead us and direct us into 2023. And last week, we talked a little bit about your word, finding your word for the year. And I, I hope you got to hear that. Um, if you didn't get a chance to, to listen to that message, I want you to go back online and watch that because I believe um, this will be beneficial for you. And I've already had people coming up to me saying, man, I believe the Lord is telling me this is going to be my word for the year. And so I'm helping them pray into that. People have been coming up to me at prayer, telling us uh, about their word for the year, which by the way, prayer has been going so amazing. Um, if you're not familiar with this, or, or maybe you happen to be new today, um, we're in a period of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we're just taking 21 days, three weeks of the year to just present that back to the Lord and pray. And we have been seeing some amazing things happen already just in the first week. I was so encouraged to see so many of us out together putting the first of the year in prayer. And, and it's just been amazing. It's just been incredible. So Monday through Friday, we're at Maple Street Biscuit Company. And uh, if you're fasting, fasting biscuits, they're closed. Don't worry, you won't smell anything. You're, you're fine. Um, but from six to seven at night, we're doing that. And every Wednesday, we're gathering with other churches in the area, and we're just having like a worship night. And so the next one is actually at Red Bank Presbyterian. We're, we're all going to gather together there, and we're going to have a worship night there. So we love to have you back. On Saturday, we're coming out to the, the campus right here, and we're just praying circles around this school, praying over our teachers and our, our, the, the faculty and the kids here, and, and then this, because this is our church. And, and so there's a group of us yesterday just huddled up, praying, doing a prayer walk in the cold. Come on, somebody. And, and we were making it happen, and it was good. But, but, but today, we, we continue on with this series where we're talking about what's next, right? And last week, we talked about your word. Today, I want to I talk about your why. Your why, what is your reason that God puts you on this earth? And I get passionate about this point because according to statistics, 85% of Americans have no idea why God put them on this earth. They're living these lives that are stuck, bored, lost, and desperate. They feel unfulfilled. When you don't know what your purpose is in life, that's exactly what that feels like. It's like I'm busy, but I don't know why or what for. Like I'm doing stuff. It's not like I'm not doing anything. I'm alive, but I'm not really living. That A lack of purpose feels just like that. And we all need a purpose to live for and a purpose to die for because purpose is powerful. Purpose is the reason you get up in the morning. Purpose is that thing that makes you feel like, this is why I got to get out the door. I like to say it this way, purpose is the why that makes you cry. I, I know that may sound a little cliche, but I like it because I think it's true. I think it's, it, finding that purpose in your life is really that thing that gives your life meaning. And it's that purpose that gives you energy to your day. Purpose is the reason that you can look around and say, man, you know what? This God thing is real. 
Like, I really do believe that, that he designed me for a reason. Like, my existence is not just some accident, but God actually created. A supernatural being made me and designed me for a purpose and a reason. I think one of the best illustrations of this comes in the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 2, the apostle Paul said it this way. He said, for we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. You could say it this way. God already determined what your purpose is, and then he left it up for you to find it. That's what God did. It's just, he's already got that for you. And I want you to see something in that verse there. He says, you're God's masterpiece. The Greek word there is the word poema. It's the word we get poem. In other words, it's as if God said, I, I've written a beautiful poem of your life. I've written this beautiful thing out of your life, and I want you to see it. I want you to get involved with it, because if you could see what I have written for you, you would be blown away by it. And the other thing he says in that passage is that it was long ago. In other words, before you were ever created, God had something for you to do. A lot of times I think we, we don't think that's the way it worked. We, we think it's like God created us and went, huh, I wonder what I ought to do with that little sucker. Right? But that's not how God did it at all. God created a purpose and then he made you to fit that purpose. Long ago he had that. And so what does that mean? That means that before you were born, God knew you and he knew what you were supposed to do. So the question is, how do we find this purpose? If 85% of Americans have no idea what they're put on this earth to do, why is that? I, I think the reason why is they don't ask some really fundamental questions. And so today what I want to do is I want to share with you just three questions. And I believe that if you find the answer to these three questions, it'll help guide you to your purpose. And the first one of these questions is so simple and it's so direct. It's this, who did God make me to be? Who was it that God asked me to be, wanted me to be? See, the, the thing is, is so few people have ever consulted God about that question. We go through life and, and we never even ask him. It makes me think of this story I heard about a, uh, an economic developing expert named Ernesto Ciroli. He was a, an Italian guy. And he, uh, he and his team went down to Africa. And, and what they were trying to do is teach some Zambians there how to uh, cultivate a garden and how to grow food. Because he thought, if we could teach them this, then, then their community would thrive and their economy would get better. And so they were teaching them. And they were amazed. Within a, just a couple of weeks, they, they were just shocked at how well the soil took to the planting that they were using. Like, before long, they were, they were growing tomatoes that were going to be this big. I mean, they were growing squash and, and zucchini. It was just amazing. And one night, Ernesto Ciroli went out on his balcony. He was kind of surveying the garden, and he looked out over it, and he was, like, just enjoying how big and plentiful and how good this was going to be now that he's taught these Zambians how that they can develop this agriculture. And, and right about the time he was having that thought, 200 hippopotamuses, if that's how you say that, hippopotami, came up out of the river and they just started devouring everything. I mean, like they were trampling it down. They were eating all the vegetables and, and he was just watching in horror as these hippopotamus are just, just eating it all. And, and he ran down after they, they were finished. They went right back into the river and he surveyed the damage and he looked at the Zambians and he said, my goodness, the hippopotamus. And the Zambians just stood there unfazed. And they said, yes. They said, this is why we have no agriculture in Africa. And he said, well, why didn't you tell me? And they looked at him and said, you never asked. 
I think that's, I mean, as, as ridiculous as that is, that's exactly what we do with our purpose. Like so many times people are living their lives where year after year they find themselves rudderless in the same position that they were in the, the start of the previous year. Nothing has changed and spiritual hippopotamuses are eating all of their spiritual fruit, right? And, and they're wondering, God, where are you in this? Well, the truth is they've never asked the designer. They've never come close to saying, God, what is it that I was made to do? You remember when you were growing up, they used to ask us that question, what do you want to be when you grow up? I used to love that question. I, I, I liked it a lot. I, 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 I would write all these different things. Like when I was a kid, I put, I want to be an astronaut or a painter. Nailed it. <laughs> I didn't quite get that one right. right? But like there, there's all these different answers. I remember I was at our kids' school one time, and they, they asked them that question. They had them hanging up on the wall. And one of, them, one of the kids said, uh, when I grow up, I want to be a dinosaur. <laughs> And then I looked online and I was looking at all these different answers that kids had. Another kid said, when I grow up, I want to be a potato. <laughs> and the thing is, it's like the teachers didn't correct them either. I'm like, somebody needs to tell the kid that's not how it works. You know what I mean? But uh, my, probably my favorite answer was this one. The response said, when I grow up, I want to have a girlfriend, kiss her, and rule the world. <laughs> I thought, hashtag goals, come on. I'll probably be working for that guy someday, you know. <laughs> like, that guy's got something right there. But, but who do you want to be when you grow up, right? I, I used to love that question. And I always used to think, like, maybe I'm still asking that question. What, what do I want to be when I grow up, right? And, and when do you officially grow up? But the truth is, like, when we're determining our purpose and we're coming up with who God wants us to be, I think there's a better question that we need to be asking. Not who do we want to be when we grow up, but who does God want me to be? And the reason why is because you didn't create yourself, so you can't answer what you're supposed to be, right? I, there's a better question. When you, when you go to the, the designer, the, the creator, then you're consulting the one who did make you. And, and there's, there is somebody that knows that answer. Last week, we talked about that rich young ruler who wanted to find his one thing, and he walked away sad when Jesus told him what it was. But, but one thing I think he got it right is that he actually went to Jesus. The Bible says that he came to Jesus with this question, teacher, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? He went, at least he went to the right source. He said, Jesus, why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? What is it that you designed me to do? I don't know who needs to hear this today, but, 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 but you need to hear this. You, not the person sitting next to you, you are a result of God's creativity and design. He didn't mess up when he made you. He, he, he didn't make a mistake. He made you. He perfectly formed you. You are just like God wanted you to be. He puts you together in this way. Let me, let me show you how David said it. David said it this way in Psalm 119. He said, of, he was talking to God and he said, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Now, if, if you didn't know any better, you could seem like, like, wow, David, that's kind of an arrogant statement, right? Like David's sitting there going, man, I'm incredible, right? But I don't think David's being arrogant at all. I think he's just being a confident man of God. He's saying that, God, you don't make junk. You don't, you don't make garbage. And so I'm not just pretty good. I, I, I'm confident that if you made me, that must mean that I'm awesome. Because God doesn't make garbage. And you should know that too. God doesn't make junk. I don't care what somebody has said to you. I don't care what somebody's tried to lump on you. You're not junk. You're not garbage. You're not a mistake. In fact, why don't you look to your neighbor and say, God crushed it when he made me. Come on, tell him. 
No, say it loud. Say, God crushed it when he made me. That's right. God crushed it when he made you. And he crushed it when he made me because God doesn't make mistakes. See, the thing is, is God didn't just make you in a specific way. He made you with a specific purpose in mind. And according to the book of Acts, chapter 17, not only that, but he made you right where you're supposed to be. He drew a line around the geography of where he wanted you. He puts you right where you were supposed to be, right in the time that you were supposed to be, in the, with the purpose that he wanted for you. And he wants you to find that thing. And so your, your job as a person who has been made by God and gifted by God is to find out what that is and start running with it. And when he was talking in that passage, he's actually talking about the church, building the church. Each one of us have a unique role in building this church because when everybody gets this, everybody benefits And everybody hearing this needs to understand this. Everybody watching this online needs to recognize this. You have a unique calling on your life. You have an opportunity to be something, someone that God has never made before. God has has put that inside of you. See, each one of us have a universal calling, right, to become more and more like Jesus. But every one of you also have an individual calling on your life that God made you to be. When I think about that and and how there's only one you, I I think about this hammer. And I'm not just getting, like, mad at you, okay? Like, Like, when I think about this hammer, I think about somebody long ago saw a need, there was a need in the, in, around them, and they saw the, the need for, for a tool. And so they sat down, and with a lot of thought and a lot of energy, they thought, this. They created this, and they crafted this hammer. And when it comes to this hammer, there is no limit to this hammer when it is doing what it was designed to do. When it's ha- it is put in the hands of a skilled carpenter, it can do incredible things, if you catch my metaphor. And, and, and the truth is, this hammer is amazing and and incredibly designed for what it's supposed to do. Unless one day the hammer said, you know what I really need to be? A saw, right? You know what that would look like? It would look like this. As ridiculous as that looks like, right? Like you would never think, why is that guy trying to use a hammer as a saw? But there's so many of us that are doing that exact same thing. We're walking around trying to to use a hammer. We're we're designed as a hammer and we're trying to act like a saw. See, God designed you in a very specific and real way. This is why the author of Hebrews said it this way. Each one of us ought to run our own race. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Don't look to the left or the right. Because the moment you're running a race and you move to the left or the right, that's the moment that you stumble and fall. See, there's a problem with, with this concept of comparison. Have you ever heard this phrase? Comparison is the thief of joy. See, when I, look, when I don't know my calling and I start looking at you for my calling and I start examining what you're doing in your life, then I can start thinking that, that maybe my calling is like your calling. And I become, a hammer tries to become a saw and that just doesn't work. See, I, I'm confident of this. Um, The enemy would love, his mission statement for your life, Jesus gave it to us, by the way. He said, the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy you. And if he can't destroy you, if he can't prevent you from getting to Jesus, then the next best thing for him to do is to make you inert. To get you not to do anything for the kingdom of God. To get you to just think, well, uh, surely I, I just don't have anything. I don't know what it is, so I don't know what I should do. And, and to just keep you and try and prevent you from actually doing what God called you to do in your life. And, and, and this, this is extremely important to guys like me. 
Because like when I, when I get up in the morning, you know, I could turn on YouTube and as a preacher in 2023, you, you don't have to look far. You can find the most amazing preachers out there. Like, like uh, just get on YouTube. You can find incredible communicators. And when I look at them, I could get up there and say, man, I, I'm supposed to be as funny as that guy or, or as witty as this one or as theologically accurate as that preacher. And, and if you're not careful, all of that can lead to a paralysis. Like there's no way that I could be all of those things. And so why, why do anything at all? And, and it prevents me from doing anything. See, I, I'm convinced that the devil's purpose in your life is to get you to stop seeing your calling and get you stuck there. But I've found that, that I, I'm a terrible one of those guys. I'm a horrible one of these guys. But I'm a pretty darn good Tom Watson, right? And you, you are too. You're not, you're not a good Tom Watson. You, you, you're a good you, right? Like when you find out who you are, see, God doesn't want you to be one of those other guys or one of them. You don't have to look around at other people and say, gosh, if I was just like that person, if I could just be as, as good at that as that person is, if I could play that instrument as well as that person, if I could work that job as good as that. God didn't call you to be those person. There's only one you and he designed you specifically to be you. That's who God wants you to be. See, in the end, if you need like more information about this or, or, or more proof of this, all you got to do is look at American Idol, right? Every, that show's been on for a million seasons, and every year there will be people that come up there, and they don't even pass the first round, right? Like, why? Because they're terrible singers, right? And no one's told them that. Like, they get up there, and they think, man, I'm going to do it, and they get up there, and they can't sing, right? They're just, they're just not gifted in that way, but they try, and they get up there and sing, and then when they're told that they can't sing, and that's not right for them, they get all upset, and they say, well, I can do it because I want to do it, all right? I think we'd stopped. Nope, let me have that. So, they get up there and they try to sing, right? And they try to um, be something that they're not. And they, they even use Bible verses, right? They'll say stuff like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, the problem is with that is that that verse is taken out of context. Like if you were to look in the context of that verse, then what you'll see is that, yes, you can do all things that Christ called you to do. You can do everything God called you to do. Everything God purposed you to do, you can do all of those things through Christ who strengthens you. Because it shows, and that's not a limiting thing, it shows you that there's a designer, that God made you with something in mind, that he had purpose in his, in his head when he thought about you, and he put you together in your, own, in your mother's womb. See, you're part of a divine designer's workmanship, and God has given you incredible things to do. You're, you're, you don't have to worry about trying to be somebody else. I mean, I'm not Bruno Mars, but you're amazing. Just the way you are. Don't try and get me on that worship team, Ethan. I know you're going to try, but don't, don't do it. i got too many other stuff. It's not my gifting, right? I need to stay here and preach. Now, see, it, what you got to do is you got to approach your giftings with confidence, okay? you got to lean into it. you got to know what those gifts are, and you gotta, you got to pull into it. And, and you've got, because God is trying to say, look, you're part, you're part of a bigger story. There's a bigger arc to this story, and you're in the middle of it, and I've designed you with something to do. See, I try to tell this to my kids all the time because I want them to grow up thinking that, man, I can do anything, anything that I want to do. And that's true. I want you to do that. But what I'd rather them do is fall in love with and be happy with the person that God made them to be, God designed them to be. See, 
when, when you don't, if you don't have that kind of purpose in your life, if you don't know what that is, it's hard to get up in the morning. But, but when you know it, it's that thing that makes you go, man, I was built to do this. I was designed to do this. This is what God made me to do. And, and when I lay my head on the pillow at night, I think God made me for this. Because at the end of the day, more than just a position or a platform or a job or a title, what we really want is fulfillment. That's what we really want. We want fulfillment over frustration. I'd rather slide through life than strive through life. I don't want to. I don't want to go through this life trying to figure out who I'm supposed to be. And, and, and the problem is, so many people are trying to become something they're not, or they're sitting there with no clue of what it is and no way to find it. By the way, this is why we have next steps. Right after the service, you heard Deborah talk about it, right behind that wall today, you need to stop putting it off. If, if you've been coming to this church for, even if this is your first time, you need to go to next steps. In next steps, we're going to talk all about who you are today. It's, your, it's all about you, your design, your purpose, your passion, your giftings, what God put inside of you. And we're going to show you, that we're going to give you some free resources and tools to teach you how to understand who God designed you to be. So that once you're done with that, you can serve in this church and you can make a difference. And you can go, wow, I was built for this. And you can take it outside of the walls of these the four walls of this church into the sphere of influence around you and say, wow, this is exactly what God built me to do. And then, then, then you can see that you can really make a difference in your community. And so the first question you have to ask God is, is who did you make me to be? Here's the second question you need to ask, who am I becoming today? Who am I becoming today? I, I think this is the question, really, honestly, that God is more interested in. God is more interested in this question than we are. He loves to see you take shape. He loves to put things inside of your path that will mold you. He, he likes to work like a potter works with clay. I, I saw this one verse in, in Isaiah 64. I think it really illustrates it. It says, and yet, O Lord, you are the father, we are the clay, you're the potter, we are formed in your hand. If you ever, have you ever seen somebody work with, with clay, like to make like a pot or something like that? I, I was watching this one guy, he was making a vase, and, uh, and he was forming it together, and it was really interesting. Like he puts it on the wheel, and, and he's adding water to it, and he's just melting, he's moving it all around. And, and by the time, like just a couple minutes, he had this really amazing vase going. I mean, it had grooves in it, it was all cool like that. And, and then at some point in it, in the process, he found like an impurity in it. It's like a hard piece of clay that was inside of it. And he grabbed a tool and he dug it out. And then I thought, you know, he's just going to add some more clay and put it back together. You know what he did? He just smashed it. And I thought, oh, no, you've ruined it. You've destroyed this amazing vase that you've made. You spent all that time. It looks great. And that guy didn't even flinch. He just started reworking the clay. And he started reworking it again and reforming it. And before long, he had this beautiful vase again. And it was gorgeous again. See, sometimes I think it's like that in our lives. We have these things going on around us, the pains and the difficulties and the challenges and the things. Man, we thought, that shouldn't have gone that way. It should have gone some other way. And we think, God, are you even paying? Paying attention to it? Well, here, let, let me tell you, sometimes those things that God puts in your life, it, he put them there. And he's doing that to mold you and to shape you because he knows what you can become because he's written that beautiful poem of your life. And so sometimes God is saying, look, man, I have so much for you. And I don't want you to get lost in, in, into thinking that, that this thing that you've settled for, that, it, that is a counterfeit, is what I had for you. 
He wants you to throw that away. He's willing to put stuff and difficulties in your path. Sometimes you're going through struggles. You might be going through challenges or difficulties today, and you're thinking, boy, that devil, but it's actually the Lord because God's trying to mold you and design you to become something that's so much greater. Sometimes we're just not ready for for the calling that God has had on our life. We're saying, God, give it to me, but God's saying, you can't handle it yet. If I gave that to you, you couldn't carry it. So many times that that happens because here's here's the the phrase, character comes before calling. We we like to do it the other way, but integrity comes before influence. Before we can expect these things from God, God is asking us this question, what are you working on in regards to your character today? See, some of us, I think, we come to church, and, and, and I've done this before too, you sit there and you heard like a preacher talk about something, or, or maybe in a quiet time, God gives you this revelation, and this thing sticks out uh, at you from Scripture, or, or it's a revelation from God, and when you get it, it's fun. It's like, man, I love that. That's awesome. And you know what we do next? It's like, I, I want the next one. God, give me the next one, right? But God's saying, You're not, you haven't done anything with the thing that I showed you to begin with. See, we're seeking out the next revelation, but God is saying, what have you done with what I've shown you? Some of us are sitting on 50 revelations, and we haven't done anything with it. God says, what are you doing with the thing I showed you last? One time years ago, I needed some direction from the Lord, and I was struggling in this area, and I was, I was thinking, God, um, I need you to show me what I'm supposed to do, whether I go left or whether I go right. And I, and I was praying about it. I was saying, God, sh- show me what I'm supposed to do here. And I felt like the Lord was silent. He just, he like, wasn't, wasn't talking to me. And I was like, what am, what am I supposed to I was like, God, this is a big, pivotal decision in my life. I need you to tell me what I'm supposed to do. And, and, and so I got off alone, and, and, and I was praying about that to the Lord. And I said, God, why aren't you showing me this? And after a time of worship and prayer, I felt my, that the Lord spoke to me, uh, like, in my spirit, not audibly because I'd have peed in my pants. Um, but, but, like, I, f- I felt like he, he talked to me in my spirit. And what he said was, Tom, I never went anywhere, and I haven't stopped talking. And I thought, that stings a little bit. <laughs> because the implications of that are what? That means that I've either stopped listening or I've wandered off so far that I can't hear from him. And see, the, the, the truth of the matter is, I was, I was looking for his guidance. I needed his guidance on what I was supposed to do next. But, but I wasn't being guidable. I felt like the Lord was saying, don't ask me to guide you if you're not willing to be guidable. God wants to work on your character before he hands you your calling. Let me say it this way. The more you work on your character, the less you'll limit the calling of God on your life. And so how do you do that? Well, in a couple of weeks, we're going to start small groups. And I believe everybody in this room needs to be in a group. Everybody in there. This is not a church that has groups. This is not a church that's got, that has groups with it. Like we're a church of groups. And maybe you need to step out. There's still time. You could lead a group. And maybe that's what God's calling you to do today, is God's trying to get you to step out and actually lead a group. But, but everyone needs to be in a group because you need people. I need people. We need people that will call our, out our blind spots where we're missing it because we can't see those. And, and they'll say, hey, you're, you're not seeing it. There's this gaping hole in your character that God wants you to work on. We need that. See, God has a way of testing us before promoting us. Because a lot of times what we'll do in our Christian walk is we get comfortable, we get complacent, and if we don't have anybody calling us out in those areas, we'll never grow. And God wants to hand you something incredible, but 
but he's not willing to sacrifice your growth for that. Makes me think of my son Joe one time. He was about eight years old. He walked up to me in the driveway and he said, Dad, I'm ready to drive the car. Let me have the key. And I said, what? He said, I'd like to drive the car, Dad. Can I have the key? I said, Joe, your feet don't even reach the pedals, man. He said, well, if you could help me with that, like we could get driving. And he was insistent. And like he had a good argument on his case. He's like, I've been watching you a long time. I'm pretty sure I can do this. Now, if you'll give me the keys, help me out with the pedals, we can go. What kind of an irresponsible parent would I be if I allowed my eight-year-old to get behind the wheel of a car and drive a 2,000-pound metal bomb down the street, right? I would be a terrible parent to do that just because he wanted to, right? Sometimes the calling of your life that God has for you, because I'm telling you, if you could see what God wanted you to do, you would be amazed. You'd say, God wants me to do that? Sometimes that bur- that purposes are amazing, but, but they also come with a burden that you, you feel like, man, I've got to get this done. And, and if you're not prepared to carry that, then God's not going to hand you over that. So what he wants you to do is work on your character. So my question to you is this, what are you doing in this season? What is it that you're doing to grow in this season? What are you doing right now? Like, like maybe you could, you could define who it is that God's called me to be. Maybe you can start answering that question. Maybe you could define for yourself, what is my purpose? Like, what did God want me to do? And once you get to the answer of those questions, then maybe you you can find out that maybe in my purpose in life, I, I need to be taking some classes or I need to go to night classes. Or maybe the thing that you were called to do that God wants you to do has nothing to do with a degree. And you could find out all of the things that you need to do on YouTube or, or podcast or spend $250 at Barnes & Noble. My question is, what are you doing in this season? So many times we look at, 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 at the, the work that we're in or the job we're in and we're saying, man, I'm, I'm not supposed to be doing this. I'm, I, I see this other thing and I'm, I'm supposed to be doing that. That's my career. That's my calling. That's what I should be doing. But my question is, what are you doing right now in this season? Start looking at what am I good at? What am I passionate about? What has God called me to do? And start cultivating that. Because if no one's working on that, no one's working on that for you. I mean, God has all the best plans in mind for you. And maybe it involves a career. And, and, and maybe it involves something that, that pursues vision or, or, or getting into practice about it. But, but it, I tell you what it is, it, it, it definitely includes this. It, it includes not walking out of a service like this after receiving a revelation from God that I'm supposed to be doing something more with my life and just walking out and it's life as usual. You can't keep doing that. It's one of the things that I, I concern most with about this information age that we're in. Because, like, you know, with, with phones and, and all this information that I have at the tip of my fingers, I can get this answer and then the next answer and then the next answer. And as a result, I start just looking for the next thing and the next. Give me the next answer. Give me the next answer. Well, it's character before calling. You bring the character. Let God bring the call in your life. Here's the last thing, number three. Here's the question you need to ask. What is the more that you were made for? What would Jesus do if he were me, right? W-W-J-D-I-H-W-E. We need, we need a longer bracelet, maybe, maybe a necklace. I don't know. But, but, but like the point of this is like, what is God doing if, if he were me? You know, in my nearly, I, I, have, I have been in ministry for, for almost 20 years, and I've been asked to preach a lot of funerals over time. And um, they're, they're never fun to do. They're never enjoyable to do. But one of the most challenging ones, you know what the most challenging ones are? 
I've seen some difficult ones, some young people taken too soon and old people that, that man, everybody loved. But the most challenging ones are those that, that they lived, but they never really lived. And you're supposed to do a funeral where you're looking at this person's life and you're saying, what is it that this person has done? God has given you this one great life, this incredible life to accomplish so much for them. What have they done? You look at the family and they say, well, they worked a good job. And, and he had some kids and he came home and watched reruns of Star Trek. And you know how hard that is to preach a message on? Listen, let me just tell you something. Live a life that's such that the preacher doesn't have to lie at your funeral. Come on, somebody. God's got a life for you. God, God has a purpose to you. And he wants you to know that today. Jesus is saying to you um, the same thing that Tom Brady said. About 16 years ago, he was in an interview, and he had just won three Super Bowls in five years. And the interviewer looked at him and was asking him this question. And Tom Brady looked at him and he said, you know what? I, I just keep thinking, surely there must be more, Right? And I think Jesus is saying that same thing to us today. He's saying, surely there must be more. You must sense that, that there's more to this reality. There's more to this existence than to wake up and and go to work and pay bills and go to bed and lather, rinse, repeat, on and on and on that goes. Nobody wants to deal with that. Jesus says, I made you for so much more than that. I went to the cross and died for you so that you could live for me, so you could live the abundant life. See, it's not, it's not just purpose that gives you a, a reason to wake up in the morning. Purpose is what makes you feel fully alive. Purpose is that thing that makes you go, man, this is why I was born. I was made to do this. And if you never find that, if you never ex- experience that, then it's such a sad life because the truth is I could sum up your life, your, your, your purpose for your life in three phrases. You ready for it? This is, this is, this is the purpose of your life, right? It's just this simple. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus would do if he were you. It's that simple. The first part of it, because your purpose always begins and ends with Jesus. It has to be with Jesus because you need him. We need him. We're, we're miserable and lost without him, without Jesus. Because Jesus needs, we need Jesus. Jesus doesn't need us, right? God doesn't need us. You think of the beginning of time, you know, when God's flinging the cosmos into, into being and he, he's creating the planets and stuff, he looked over at Adam and said, man, I'm going to need help with this one, Adam. You're going to have to name that flamingo over there because I'm so wiped out from making the cosmos, right? Like God, God didn't say that right? We need God. God doesn't need us, but we need to be around him. And the more that you're around God, the more you become like him because you become like the people you find yourself around all the time. And then finally, the thing is, this is what this all sums up to be. You have to do what he would do if he were you. Because I know what Jesus would do. If Jesus were here right now, he'd heal everybody, he'd save everybody, he'd rescue everybody. But I'm not Jesus, right? See, what this means is that you're not just a kid in high school, right? You're not just a nurse working at Erlanger, right? You're you're here to show us what it would be like if Jesus took blood. You're here to show us what it would be like if Jesus checked vitals. You're not just some guy working for somebody in a shop. You're here to show us what it would look like if Jesus actually submitted to somebody under that authority. See, you're here to show us what it would be like if Jesus were here, if Jesus were you. 
You might not, uh, you're not just a, a retired person. You're here to show us what it would be like if Jesus were here. Yes, play a lot of golf, but also mentor somebody in the church, disciple somebody, go on a mission trip, get excited about what God's doing at Five Stones, get on the team and help find out your purpose and your passion and help others with that. See, this is what God wants you to do. See, I'm convinced that the enemy wants to take that from us. And most people, 85% of Americans are sitting there wondering, what am I supposed to do? Moms and dads, maybe your purpose isn't about you, but it's more about who you're raising. See, I think one of the most powerful things that a person can do, that a human can do in this life, is to give to someone else what they never had. Maybe you had to do stuff, accomplish stuff, be successful in order to to prove to everybody else and to prove to yourself that you're valuable and you're worth it, but your son won't ever have to. Maybe you had to run to the arms of a guy to make yourself feel beautiful and valuable, but your daughter never have to. Maybe you're the product. You feel like like in the middle of this, you're the product of, of divorce or addiction or abuse, but your family never has to. See, because it ends with you. What would Jesus do if he were you? See, you can stop it right here. It doesn't have to proceed any further. Come on, give God praise. What would he do if he were you? See, this is why we keep harping about you you need to go to next steps. And you need to do that today. If you haven't gone through next steps, give us one hour of your life. I promise you, God will give it back. If you're not fasting food, we'll give you food. We'll take care of your kids. That in and of itself is worth it. (laughs) But you need to go there. You need to find out what God's calling you to do, what you're passionate about, what you're gifted to, what drives you forward, what makes you get up in the morning. Because, and it might speak to a career. It might help you choose a career path. But I guarantee you this, it always leads to becoming a better leader, to becoming a better father, a better mother, a better son, a better daughter, a better employee, a better boss, a better fill in the blank. It always, when you find your purpose in this life, it always leads to that. It absolutely does. God wants to show you that.